Well, 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 well. Hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. Oh, God. God! This is the, oh, my God. This is the American Soccer Podcast, in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT. I am Clayton, and I'm an artist. I'm Ty, I'm an entrepreneur. And we love the Nats with both pointer fingers in your face, boy. It's We The Peeps. It's We The Peeps. Welcome to We The Peeps. Are you ready for We The Peeps? Holy moly, it's We The Peeps. The game was USA versus Qatar. And oh, my Lanta. What a game it was, folks. Good Lord almighty. I've got no nails left on account of the biting. <laughs> um, I, I was, once again, I was in the last game awakened to the reality that this is a real tournament and there are games to watch. I was today awakened to an even deeper, perhaps divine reality of perhaps the meaning of life and things mattering oh, sometimes. Wow. wow. I was awakened out of my existential, no, I'm over-exaggerating, but damn was I riveted by this entire game from start to Siddhartha finish. Siddhartha Zardes. <laughs> yes. Yes, art and the Zen and the art of Zardes maintenance, okay? Of DK maintenance. He needs some maintenance. DK needs some work. DK needs some Zen right now. We did this. We would win this game 1-0, the semi-final of the Copa de Oro, the goldest of the cups, the goldest and the goodiest. And we're going to talk about everything that occurred in this if we can. There is not, not, no way to discuss everything that occurred in this game because no. there were just too many things. But we are going to attempt to discuss as many of the things that we have taken notes of and can remember. Um, and we are so glad that you were with do. us. we do. Yeah, we do. This is how we do it. We do our best. Just like the Nats. We're, <laughs> we're, Just like we're, the Nats. We're a little unprepared for the moment, but we find a way. <laughs> we right. find a good way. Enough, and it's good enough for you, listeners. <laughs> you know it. You love it. Folks, um, we got to do some housekeeping real quick before we can do any of that ish. So first and foremost, follow us on Twitter, on the tweets, with the tweets at WTP Pod. From there, you can find out when we are streaming live on YouTube, when we are not streaming live on YouTube, when we expected to stream live on YouTube, and had to audible and not stream live on YouTube. You can also find out our thoughts throughout the course of the week. You know, there's not always U.S. games. You may be starting to feel in this s -s summer of soccer that there's just always going to be U.S. games, but... Not so much the case. And when when the dust settles after um, you know after what has been what has turned into quite a uh, a decent ride here with the Nats, uh, we will not stop being with you. We will continue being with you on Twitter at WTP Pod. Also, uh, search for us on YouTube. You uh, can just put We the Peeps into your search box, and we'll pop right on up. If you could hit us with a subscribe there, super helpful. Get those numbers going. 
Um, five stars, please. Five stars on your podcatcher application uh, that you use on your phone device. Uh, five stars for us. A few words would be helpful. We'll read those on the show. You can also support us. Um, frankly, the perhaps the most impactful way to support us is at the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash WTP pod. This show is not free to produce, folks. Um, matter of fact, a little expensive uh, for us to produce, but uh, we do it because we love it. And you can help us to stem the bleeding by supporting us with your $5 pledge. We have uh, a new patron. Get in. We love you. Our friend Mike Freisinger. Say Frisinger, perhaps. How do you, you can, you can let us know how you want that pronounced. Do, we'll do uh, anything with, you want if you're our patron. Hit us with a new, a new, sub, a new subscribe on the Patreon. So, we thank you so much, Mike. It means uh, it Fry means Sanger. the world, honestly. Fry Frysinger Singer. Fry. Would Fry thank you. It's Fry Singer. I think it is. It means the fucking world. It's wild. Uh, we so appreciate that. Thank you for making this show possible. And all you other listeners out there, you should be thanking Mike in your heart as well because uh, he's he's making this this he's keeping this show on the road uh, as. Did our Nats end of House or Kipping? The something went down to something that rhymes with do. Folks, there's no other way to get this going than to la 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 line them up, and it's gonna be easy to give all the baseball gloves out um, because it's the same lineup as last time. So, real quick, Matt Turner, all the baseball gloves. Get some of that, whatever, the, the black, black yeah, uh, exactly. the eye black streaks beneath the eyes. A little chewing tobacco, yes, Give please. him some greenies and get him out Sunflower there. Sunflower seeds. <laughs> Let's do this thing, Matt Turner. Uh, Sam Vines, Miles Robinson, Jimmy Sando. Jimmy Sando. And Shaq Moore uh, in the back. You know him, you love him even more every time. Uh, in the middle, we're going to have Sebastian Legette, the six that just won't quit. Oh my God, the six with the kicks, Kellen Acosta and Luca Bouncy Busio. Uh, that's our midfield three. I'm trying some stuff out today, guys. Don't no, at no me, judgment, bro. No judgment in brainstorming. Uh, up front, we've got, yeah, there's no wrong answers in brainstorming, which um, we are pretty much constantly doing in live time in front of you folks. Up front, we've got Matthew Hoppy. Happiness continues to be truthful. We've got Daryl, the right arm DK. Daryl, Daryl's <laughs> Daryl one arm DK. <laughs> Daryl Northpaw DK. Uh, and Polly Ariola Nips, the the nickname that must never be tampered with. Polly Ariola Nips. Uh, that was our starting lineup, folks. This game would start. What else first are you gonna minutes. call him? What? <laughs> what are you gonna Nips. call him? Come it's Polly Nips, <laughs> folks. The first twenty minutes of this had us sweating, but no worries, because Matt Turner is the greatest goalkeeper who has who ever has ever graced him up. Out the state. <laughs> what is happening with this guy? Um, Revs fans, you're probably like we've been saying. He's a brick US wall. dot whatever you've been saying. Okay, everyone's been saying, but. 
Good Lord Almighty, does this guy have saves for days? And they're not just saves. The first one in the 18th minute was a double deflection potential. So it, it was a deflection off of a Qatari player onto Sam Vines. I think Sam Vines. It was a, yeah, Sam Vines deflection into the bottom corner. It was, double it was deflection. Sands, I think. Sands. Oh, thank Sands you. Sands almost Sando. the best finish of his life. The best finish of his life. And Matt Turner somehow, like Neo from The Matrix, slows time down and says, Unreal. no, thank you, sir. It no, actually went you. in and he reversed time. So <laughs> we're sure in the did. other... We're in the other we're in universe. A different, that this, that's the parallel created. universe. Yes, we are in the we are in whatever parallel universe Matt Turner has chosen for us. Um, <laughs> I hope this one has you know. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then I got embarrassed, and now I have to say it. I hope this one's got a girlfriend for me. <laughs> That'd be tight. Um, okay, two minutes later. Two minutes later, your boy Afif finds space, passes to a teammate who has a one-touch shot and another reflex save. This time with the left. From Maddie Toyne. Maddie Toynes. Mad Maddie Two Hands. Maddie Two Hands <laughs> Turner. <laughs> unsavable. Both of these are unsavable. That's incredible. That is going to stick. <laughs> Both of these are unsavable. <laughs> Everyone has oh two God. hands. But Matt Turner. Guys, you can't make uh, fun just, of me for having two are. hands. <laughs> But they're just the best two hands we have ever they seen. Are. Oh yeah. my god! Okay, uh, may, this the, the generally in this first half, the U.S. had a lot of trouble making their turning their possession into anything. They tried a couple of those long balls. It was very difficult to get any packing stats going. It wasn't clear why that is. Qatar was pretty packed in deep. It felt somewhat blow for blow at times, but it truthfully was mostly Qatar. In the last five minutes, the U.S. got a couple free kick chances, and that would be that. We went into half lucky that the scoreline was still 0-0. I have to shout out, though, quick WTP highlight. In the 45th minute, the Qatari, the Qatari players, um, on one of those free kicks, one of the aforementioned free kicks, sneak way up, yards up in front of the line. The referee ushers them back, redraws the line. However, upon remeasuring the 10 yards, draws the line farther back than the original line, to which the, the Qatari players rightfully negotiate that they will now accept the original line. <laughs> everyone's <laughs> laughing. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's having the, a good time. We found an agreement. They stayed on the original line. Loved it. Halftime. Come back, no subs, to the surprise of many... in. In including, I expect you, listener, no subs at all. Uh, DK, that left arm, looking janky. It doesn't look right. Uh, another quick WTP highlight is Haram Afif uh, doing a no-look pass in the 48th minute and slamming his entire body into the turf uh, afterwards, probably because he wasn't looking at what he was doing. Um, just as we thought DK really needed to come out for this injury... Uh, Sam Vines and Matthew Hoppy combine to get him an incredible look right in front of goal that he sadly the, misses. The DKest chance. The DKest chance of all time. Um, the Hoppiness is the truthest assist of all the time. The greatest pass in the history of the game of soccer. <laughs> without a doubt. It might be somehow the greatest save as well from Matthew Hoppy there, in spite of Matt Turner's <laughs> attempts. 
Um, one minute later, Jaboy Hafif, it's Jaboy, uh, crosses up James Sands really hard. Jimmy Sando looked very much like a pen. The ref does not call the pen. Eventually gets called over to the booth. Our boy, Dr. Joe Macknick, friend of the show, Shouts friend of the pod, Joe. is called in, says, I do not think this will get overturned. Why? Because it's not clear and obvious. The defender gets a touch on the ball and the referee had a good position. However, after a number of replays and shout out to Video Referee Exchange Program for this one. Um, and a large actually, envelope of cash exchanged near note, the VAR. Yes. <laughs> Side note, that is a lovely idea, referee exchange program. Um, this one gets overturned somehow. Some way this gets overturned. Turns, goes to a penalty kick, which the captain of the Qatari team who, pardon my French here, I'm, I forget his name, uh, my bro, who apparently recently penenkaed, um, sort of scuff Panenka's over the crossbar. Matt Turner, lovely celebration here. 62nd minute, we got out, we got out. It felt like a little justice, I have to say, from my perspective, but we got out. 62nd minute, line change, rolled and rolled and rolled and rolled and rolled in. <laughs> the soccer player formerly known as Reggie Cannon, and of course, Giasi Zardis, as some would say. In for Busio Moore and DK. Giasi Zardis. Zards. Zards. <laughs> Zards, my G. Came right on yeah, in. Yeah, I'm um, <laughs> uh, Real quick, yeah, so Zardes, as he is um, finding his way into this game, has a scuffle with a Qatari player who goes down. Zardes, what a nice guy, leans in to help him up, realizes that this game is heated and that this is... He read the room pulls the hand back, pulls the helping hand away, <laughs> decides not to go there. Loved it. Fantastic. My bad. My bad. Um, we had a, and, and this is really, you know, where the game changed uh, from even prior to the, the substitutes that we saw from the, from, from the penalty kick on, this game was about the U.S. trying to score. So we saw the subs, we saw the Zardes. This became what I titled a rubber band game for a while where U.S. was trying, 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 and then it was flying over to the other side. I could not believe my nerves, edge of my seat. Uh, red wig, wife beater guy in the stands is losing his fucking mind. Fantastic. Jakini and Eric Williamson come in for a very mad Matthew Hoppy and a he was also somewhat mad Polly. He was not happy about that decision. And also a somewhat mad Polly Ariola Nips, which is, I thought maybe he was mad at the ref or I don't know what, but he was heated too. Um, anyways, uh, even more subs, even more subs, a penalty shout for the U.S. Berhalter screaming at the assistant ref for this one. Uh, we would find that out later. I'm just telling it in chronological order. And then we got the goal. Um... Let's see. Let's see. How did this goal come about? This Joachini. Joachini. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. So Joachini, it goes from Joachini in the midfield to Eric Williamson, who slots this back to Joachini, shrugs off a challenge. That drop-down defender then becomes a pick for the other two defenders on their way. Joachini could shoot, could shoot, did not shoot, slips it in for Giassi Zardes, 
who finishes this one, okay? The US would hold out. A couple final things worth noting in this game recap is that Giochini would go on to win 3,000 in a row to eat up some clock. And I have to mention that Zardes had a fantastic soft, soft as a slug's belly, as Roy Hodgson would say. Ray Hudson, whatever his name is. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Soft as a slug's belly touch from a 60-yard goal kick, which he then played out wide to Giacchini. I have to mention that. I just have to do that. Ty, we won. one nothing. We're going to the final, the finale of the Gold Cup on the backs of this suddenly quite lovable USB team. What are your first impressions? Qatar got CONCACAFed. Oh, sucky sucky now. Yeah, they did. How many times has the U.S. lost a game where you just hold your head after and go, how could that possibly have happened? How could we have possibly lost? That exact thing just happened to Qatar by us. And it feels really, really good. This game was one of the least Burhaltery games that I have seen because the normal Burhalter plan was really not working. And it's a plan that we, we like in general, trying to pass through the back and maintain possession and control the game. And the U.S. was getting absolutely nowhere with it. Luckily, during Qatar's period of dominance, they were not able to convert over and over and over, which just gave this U.S. team a belief that we could find a moment and basically steal the game. So there's no doubt that Qatar had the better performance tonight, but the U.S. was tougher, more aggressive, and cared more about winning. And that's what mattered in the end. Ugh, it's beautiful, man. Is Are you... Were you not on the edge of your seats? Are you, were you, are you not entertained? You paid for the whole seat, but you only need the, the edge. <laughs> Kellen, Damn, Kellen Acosta won this game for the U.S. Yes, tell me about, tell me about that. With some great shithousery. And so yes. this is a, the perfect time to discuss this because we've been debating. We, we, we've, been, we've been appreciating and praising all the shithousery that we have been seeing in U.S. games of late, notably in the uh, Mexico win in the Nations League, in which the U.S., I would say, did probably a third of the shithousing. And Mexico did their traditional, you know, extensive shithousing. And what we mean Dominant, by that is... Dominantly shithoused. They're, they're good. What we mean by that is bending the strict definition of what is a soccer game and doing things that are not technically playing soccer that have some bearing or influence on how the game ends up. So the things that fall under shithousing would be talking in the ref's ear, messing around with players, kind of fouls uh, off the ball when no one is watching, kicking the ball out of bounds, um, Ball boy, the ball, the, the ball the kids, ball when the ball kids get, ball get in. involved, at, yeah, throwing a new ball in. Those kinds of things. And the U.S. has traditionally done very, very little of this. We play the uh, Sunday morning youth league version of soccer where everyone plays by the rules. And as soon as there's a whistle, 
the game stops, right? And, and the rest of the world is a little more savvy than that. And so I have argued with you on this air about whether we should do this. And this is a perfect example of the difficulty of this debate, because I'm, of course, I'm thrilled that, that Kellen Acosta did what he did, which, which was what, which was as the Qatar captain was getting ready to take the penalty, he was in the way. So he's, he's obstructing there. There's obviously debate over the, the penalty and things like that, but that kind of dies down. And then it's just Acosta kind of right ne- near the spot, right next to the guy who's about to take it, presumably saying stuff to the guy, also arguing with the referee, just kind of generally being a nuisance and getting in the way. And then as he is finally getting getting evicted from the penalty area, he starts a fight. So then there's this huge fight and there's this, this fracas going on while the Qatari captain is getting ready to take this vital, vital penalty. And all this does is it's, it's the equivalent of icing the kicker. You know, it... it gives the guy more and more time to just think about it and think about it and, and feel that pressure and get like the heart rate is, you know, increasing and it's, it's not good. It's not good to have to think that much about a big penalty. So Kellen Acosta definitely had an influence on the, 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 the taker there and on the, the ultimate result. And so the debate is, should we do that? Is it worth it to win a game in this manner when maybe we don't really, quote unquote, deserve to win the game when we weren't necessarily the best team, but we find a, an edge in extracurricular activity? What, what say you? What say I? I can, I can barely contain my joy. <laughs> you're you're, you're I, evil. I love this. Well, listen, the, the concept... Okay. So there's a heart, there's a heart reason, and and then I can I can get all smart, which uh, I've studied, you know, philosophy as a in, in undergrad. Like I can do arguments, but let me just start with the heart. We won when it's a jersey I care about. I get it when you're watching, um, I don't know, a Liga Amekis game where you just don't know any of the context and you don't really care. It's irritating. You're like, wow, why is this guy wasting time? What are they doing? When it's a jersey that matters to me, which the U.S. is truly the only one, um, there is no hesitation in my mind, in my heart, shall I say, about whether or not I'm in support, in my body, (laughs) in in my heart, just my heart. Uh, There is no hesitation. That I'm in full support of Kellen Acosta in this. And may I add many other moments prior to this moment and post. Okay, Kellen Acosta won this game outside of the game. The game within the game? The game outside the game. One of those. Uh, from For all 90 minutes that he played. Did he play all 90 minutes? Yes, he I did. So, so, um, so the, the argument... However, and, and I want to add... I, I want to I also add a little bit of a head argument as well. Which is that... You, you, we'd like to believe that we can distill, purify the game of soccer or indeed any other real sport to just the rules and the skills required to play by those rules. The, the truth is that you will never be able to remove the human element, the imperfections and the gray areas from any real life sport that is 
that is um, simply, uh, it, it is impossible to scientifically remove the, the, the ambiguities from real sport. That is why watching a game of video game FIFA feels different than watching a game of human beings on TV. And my, my final point in that is, if you, even if you were able to do that, you would remove from the game everything that you truly, though you may not realize it, that you truly love about the game. So what is incredible about someone playing within the rules of soccer and having, let's say, an incredible touch and, and uh, dribbling someone out cleanly and, and ripping a shot that curls into the upper 90 is the fact that they did that within the beautiful tapestry that is this human drama, the strange, bizarre, and chaotic thing that we love. Well put. So to me, the, the argument centers around whether the game is the rules, the players, what's in a, what's in the Wikipedia article about how the game is played, or whether the game is the entire event that transpires, including the fans, including the atmosphere, including the weather, including the travel, whether, whether the game is just the game or whether the game is bigger. And if the game is bigger, it's clear that any possible thing, any possible aspect that you can use to get an advantage, you should do. So I think there, there have to be boundaries. You shouldn't commit any crimes, which we've actually seen. Uh, we've, we've seen Absolutely. we've seen legitimate yeah, yeah, assault sure. so please don't do sure, that yeah. but the i i respect that argument i think i have the where it gets me a little bit is that yeah, I yeah. Don't, let's give a little let's give a little love to those who who don't at all agree with me right now that are listening well let's, right and I'll, I'll i'll i can yeah. stand for that side because that's generally where i land yeah to me the danger with this is that it becomes too much about that and not enough about actually being better at soccer. And so I wouldn't want the U.S. to develop an identity that's necessarily all about that, potentially at the expense of focusing on being good at soccer. And I think that's actually what a lot of the Central American countries have fallen into over the years, is that they just expect that this is a bigger part of the game than it should be. And We've seen in recent years uh, Neymar's Brazil fail in the World Cup. And I think one of the reasons why that is, is that they're used to a South American context in which the unwritten part of the game is a larger factor and is perhaps more of an more something they can influence because they're 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 the big dogs. And when they go into that World Cup context, it no longer works as well. Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. think that, you know. I'm glad for it to be a little tool, another tool in our toolkit for finding wins when plan A isn't working. But for me, to tie it back to this game, I am disappointed. This was the first game of this tournament that I can recall where we had this many long balls up to the big striker. And this was the first game where I didn't feel like we were really able to productively possess in any way. I think the this, this statistics, we were over 50%, but the vast majority of that was the back line. So, so for me, you know, I'm certainly thrilled that, that we got the win. 
But this didn't give me the level of confidence in the, this group of players that I had at some earlier points in the tournament when I saw them playing in more of a way that matched the way the A team would be playing. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, let me come down to earth for a second from my from my victory lap that I'm doing. Um, did you think that the U.S. It looked to me like the U.S. was unable to find a way to make possession matter in the first half, but then over time did find a way to make possession matter. Yes, that their their chances in the second half were built from the back. Um, you know, once it became an option, once it became an open enough game that they could play through some of those lines, uh, they, I, you know, the the long ball stopped. Yeah, but I, I think that happened because Qatar lost their discipline. So I think if, if Qatar had been better at maintaining what gave them such a big advantage in the first half, they would have found a way to win this game. What happened, in my view, is that they got frustrated because there were two or three guilt-edged chances that either they missed or they weren't even able to get a shot off for some reason or um, or Matt Turner saved. And they had they all these Matt great Turner opportunities. The they got Matt Turner over and over and over again, and they started to get pissed off. And you saw it in the first half, they had very, very clean lines, the Qatari team. So they, they were very organized. And they were very methodical in the way that they were attacking the U.S., and in the second half, I believe the reason why the game started to break down was that their shape started to break down. So they yeah. they lost the the rigidity that had allowed them to control the game, and that let the U.S. back into it with more positive possession. They they should be really disappointed. They really threw this game away because the U.S. was dead meat for for eighty minutes, and you know even including that penalty, and uh, which they obviously should have tucked away. So. So this was definitely one of those that, you know, Qatar uh, Qatar lost more than the U.S. won. But I'll take it. I'm thrilled. I, I can't wait to see the U.S. play uh, presumably Mexico. We'll see as, as so we record Presumably this. Mexico. Um, I'm Just a quick note on that. I'd be happy with either final. Oh, me point. too. Me too. To come back into Canada and, you know, build up that would be would be totally lit. Um, I think... I don't know that I'm in full agreement about the extent to which Qatari, the Qatar team was dominant here. For sure, in the first half, for 20 minutes, in the, you know, 20, 30 minutes, they, they had their chance to put two or three away. That is a fact. Um, but even before the penalty kick, we got, it started to open up, um, I think. And... Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, I see I'm, I'm with you in terms of the that it was I'm with you in, in, in that Qatar ought to be frustrated uh, after this loss. I don't know if I'm with you in all the way in that the U.S. should, you know, that the U.S. won because they resorted to something completely alien to the system. I think that the there was there was definitely both, and they they had to lean on their sort of spirit to to get this win, and they had to get lucky with having Qatar miss a couple chances. Um, but there was Burhalter ball that ultimately broke down this this team, and I think that that's worth that's that I, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that. I think you, you could know? you could make the comparison to the Nations League final where. 
the game also descended into absolute chaos. And it, it did still feel like Berhalter ball and, and like the the movement that led to the Pulisic penalty was, you know, somewhat similar to, to that Williamson play, for instance, or, or you know, different sure. different moments in this match. So so there it's 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 probably, you know, not as far as I as I stated it in, in that direction. But it, it did just give me uh, it, it gave me a little bit of a of flashbacks to eras by bygone usmnt eras, yeah. eras. That, that first half was very where, yeah boring. where i i was yeah. i was just clawing my eyes out and it was absolutely it was tough to watch so but absolutely but, i mean and so let's talk a little bit there's a couple things i want to mention about that one is what is is what needed to happen in that first half what does a better team do um to succeed at breaking down that that those tight lines that's a great question. I think the one of the best tools that we have is this line splitting pass from deep. And the center backs, the center back pairing we had today, Sands and uh, Robinson are not really the optimal players for that. We have much better passers in the pool. But Sands actually found there was one particular pass that he played that led to a really really good US chance. I think it was a DK chance where it was it was basically Sands to DK. And he should have been able to get a good shot off, and he wasn't able to. Yeah. Uh, and so those are those are moments where we can have it's it all. It's a bad first touch. It's like it's a DK. it's a direct way to play on the ground in a controlled fashion. Yes. And that that kind of melds the and and what Absolutely. it necessitates is that there's rotation and movement in the midfield because what you want to what you want to have that happening is, is that the opponent is trying to track you. They're they're in their neat line of four in the midfield. But they're not able to maintain that because the movement from the U.S. is creating overloads in certain areas, and those overloads can be exploited by these quick passes from deep. That's correct. And I want to add to that that those so there was a little bit of rotation and, and overlaps happening from the midfield and the strikers, um, not enough, and not at not with enough intensity. So there are two ways in which I would you know at half have advised the U.S. to or. There's two ways I, that I would criticize the tape on this first half, and they're both about intensity. Um, off the ball intensity from the midfielders and the wingers, uh, they, the runs are, they're making the correct motions, but they're making them at a 6 out of 10, totally. and they need to know when to totally. go at a totally. 10 out of 10. Totally. Busio yeah. needs to be hauling, busting a gut yes. to go 15 yards diagonally backwards. Yep. When when the center backs have the yep. ball, it's like yep. it's got to be like as if he's doing a far post. Exactly. Run. The, That's there was this the intensity. There was this sequence where they happened. were talking about Kellen Acosta in the midfield at at around like twentieth thirtieth minute, and they were like, "How many touches he's had? he's only had a couple touches so far? The U.S. can't find him." And Kellen Acosta's just kind of just kind of trotting why. around. He's just he's yeah he's he's sitting between two defenders, and I'm like, "What the fuck." You, they're not you guys, finding you. You got to find them. You got to find some you gotta space. You got to find them. So that's the, right. so you got to find them. You know that's exactly it. And when you watch top teams from the back line all the way up to the strikers, they are doing anything they possibly can to find space. And and the yes. the shape is constantly moving because you have to. You know. So yes. so when you're static, it's easy to defend. And and that's uh, a principle that that we were uh, in violation of today for most of the game. 
We violated that principle. And it's about gears too, right? You don't have to sprint the whole game, but you have to be able to identify like, here's a chance. And you go from a one to, to a six, exactly. back to a exactly. one, and then you go to a 10, oh. right? And you just mix it up. There's one more thing I want to add to that that would have broken down, I think, the the Qatari team in the first half, which is there's nothing wrong with going center back to center back, out to out to the, the wing back and back to the center back. Um uh, there's there's also a correct thing that you saw, which is left center back playing to the right wing back. So so bypassing one of the center yeah. backs, all good, totally good. That them shit's got to be out of ten. So you cannot you can't do that like laxadaisically or in a chill way. When you make that switch, it has to be with like real actual pace pace that where you're at risk of that ball going out of bounds. right 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 that's right. how you know that that level of intensity actually has your opponent running um which is the whole point so that you can tire them out and etc yeah exactly right? i mean yeah basically fundamentally in soccer if the defense can freeze the offense and have a second to get into the optimal position to defend the offensive shape it's going to be hard to break them down, even if they're not very talented. So it's all about time. You know, so- soccer is a game that's yep. all about time. So when you play yep. quickly, what that does is it gives you a brief moment where you can take a look at the defense and identify where they've screwed up. You know, so so the faster the ball circulates, the easier it is to find those those moments. And I think the U.S. had very little conviction with the attacking play uh, in in the first half. Um, yeah. Um, can I just add one more thing before we move on about the shithousing conversation? Yeah. Shithousing is for those for those who do not like shithousing, the, the epitome of that, as you mentioned, is Neymar and the Brazilian national team. Neymar just rolling and rolling and rolling and attempting still to still rolling. Just still rolling to this day. Um, I am with you. I just want to be clear. I also don't like when Neymar does that. It's very boring to watch. I want to suggest that perhaps what we don't, what we are seeing there that is the most egregious violation is not faking the, the foul, but doing so poorly and flamboyantly. Not, you know, flamboyant is perhaps a weighted term, but doing so in this very sort of excessive way that is ineffective. Laughable. They're laughable. There are many, many times in soccer games you have watched, I promise, where a foul has been faked that you did not know was fake. Oh, and shit. that is what the fuck I am talking about. That is so dope. When it's obvious, when you fail at it, it's ridiculous and it's embarrassing. And I'll even put faking an injury or, um, you, know, fake, you know, rolling around for a, a fake foul. I'll put that low on my list of favorite shithousing techniques. But just for your consideration, those of you who, who you know, can't, who are like, I would watch soccer, none of you listening, but for people who feel this way, I would watch soccer, but they fake injuries, uh, they fake fouls. Um, consider just the amount of, consider that that is someone doing something awesome poorly. I thought while you were just describing that, which is a very good point, I realized what my line is, where where I no longer like it. And Let's it's, do this it's thing. dishonesty. I one of one of my my personal values is is honesty. So I don't mind Kellen Acosta being a pain in the ass and yelling at people and complaining. There's nothing dishonest about it. He's just being a cad. Yeah. Whereas deception 
I really don't like, and I really don't want to root for a team whose game plan is deception, as as the, the as Neymar's game is most of the time. Football is a game of deception. And I, Diego Maradona, rest in peace. He would have pissed me off. I I I respect. Of course, I respect. But how could you? If not? he was, if he, if he was playing in my era, that's the that's the kind of shit that would piss that's me off. And the, and the, you right. know the hand of God goal, all those things. I mean, the, the hand of God goal. I don't know. If the, I don't know if you can necessarily. It's pretty. It's got to be on purpose. Yeah, it was on purpose. And it's he got on away purpose. With it. And I, I. But that's the kind of thing I I don't like. But I really like the like uh, leaving a, a leg in. So that you get some studs when it looked sure. when when oh my god on a regular yeah, sure. foul you know what I mean you like just, just remind, going in just a little remind. bit extra hard and I really yes, I yeah. love I love the shit housing that is just in your face aggression like Greg Berhalter showed to the fourth official and like Matthew oh Hoppy showed Terrifying. to Greg Berhalter <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was absolutely. that was Civil War shit housing the two of them yes. We love to, to, it. We love it. Let's talk about uh, Hoppy, because then, about he Hoppy. he was he was like he's on fire he, every game. He had everything. Like a he had everything but a goal. He had everything, he had everything but, a goal, but a goal. Absolutely. And it was he had, he had another he had game dribbles. where he's driving the energy for the U.S. Absolutely. Um, did you have a favorite Hoppy moment? I mean, it's got coming off. There, there was a, oh, there was a, a play where he it was on the sideline and he almost. Uh, rainbowed a dude from behind <laughs> and I was very impressed I was very impressed I, yeah. I, yeah. I love it I can't, I, nothing came off exactly like he didn't have that like moment where he just totally owned somebody in this game uh, but those are coming I mean he's, he he's quickly little, becoming just yeah. one of my favorite national team players to watch I just want this guy involved with you. all the time I agree with you. I love watching this guy. He had a moment that where he had, um, he he had a slip pass that that was a a step over to a no look slip pass. So this this moment came and went like not a lot happened from it, um, but it broke lines at a time when the U.S. was not breaking lines, and it was slick as hell, man. Um, another thing I loved about Hoppy's game was just how ridiculously. Uh, low his threshold is for coming back to receive a ball from the defense totally like, if totally. he doesn't if he doesn't get a ball it's like, it's like two within minutes the first, like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous it's like, fuck he this. straight back <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh, fuck this yeah, this is so dumb and they were saying oh, that, that's so uh, john and Stu were saying that um that was the plan that it was like oh hoppy's gonna drop deep i don't think that was the plan i think that he just did that <laughs> That was not the motherfucking plan. Did you see how many times out? did Ariola do yeah, that? Exactly. Zero. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that was not the fucking plan. Yeah, so so yeah, Hoppy, I mean, he I, I wrote that he's a coach's dream and he's an opponent's nightmare. Because he, he does right. every single little thing that you can think of. I can't believe that he's not getting more yellows as well. Cause he's he's doing because he's doing stuff he's doing because he loves jesus so much maybe it's because he loves jesus maybe it's because he looks like he's in a, a boy band from the 90s he got he got into a scuffle with he got into an argument with the referee on the first play of the game <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> so funny dude homie uh, took 10 ridiculous. seconds 
<laughs> it was like a very, it was like, okay, it was like a typical foul call on the defender. He turns, like, screams, loses his mind at the referee. The referee's like, dog, you have got to chill. And he's like, he walked away from the conversation laughing, like, no, you're right. I, I gotta chill. I'll chill. I'll chill. I'll chill. I'll chill. I'll chill. I'll chill. Can we, can we talk about DK for a second? Yeah. So the DK experience. That is what we're missing, right? It's, it is, um, I don't think anyone would be mad if Zardes started the final at this point. Hard, it would be hard to blame Greg. Absolutely. Uh, what did you see? What do you see between these two guys? What do you think is going on? So with DK, I saw the same stuff that we saw in the last game, which was this very lackadaisical kind of, it's not even the right way to put it. I, I don't think he isn't trying. I just think he's not very good at putting himself into positions where he can be influential in the game. Yeah. So when he is not being fed good balls, he is not effective. Has not been. Now, they noted the injury, and I remembered this injury, which happened in the Canada game, right? It's two, three games ago. And I, I realized how much that must be hampering him in his ability to like make those intense runs, like you said, to find space and to to yeah. jostle and all of that. So I think it is fair to just kind of give a pass on the last couple games where he has looked really, really bad and think more about the group stage where he looked, diff, you know, kind of rough, but with a lot to offer. Yeah. So so that's that's going to be my takeaway about him from this Gold Cup. I don't think he will play in the final or play a significant role. I think it will be Zardes. Greg now has the the mandate that he needs with with Zardes finding the winner. Uh, and and Zardes hasn't been great in the tournament, but uh, he he's been just as good as DK. You have to say on balance. Uh, and the goal was great. So you know I you, you take take nothing away from him. Uh, he has grown as a finisher you know he's always been a good finisher in mls he's just always looked ridiculous for the nats and he's always done in incredibly uh hilarious things but it's been a while since he's done a hilarious thing it has so you know go go for it giazzi zardes also go just for fantastic it, human being so lovely you, man you deserve your time oh. out of the usmnt box of shame that you've been in I... for the last five or six years Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You get to be so, out of the box for Sunday. And then you're, you're going to go back the into the box. And then you go back into the box. Um, so I have, if you decided to join us on YouTube, you can see that I have Giassi Zardes' graduation picture as my, my background here. Um, <laughs> he looks pumped. Because, because today <laughs> is the day that Giassi Zardes has, has graduated, in my mind, from the box. Uh, the box of shame. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's the, here is my takeaway from this. I I'm I think you're spot on with the DK um, contribution. Like if we saw three more games from DK that you know trended the way his games were trending, I think it would be a very similar sort of, if not better, read to what we how we are probably walking away thinking about Busio, which is like he started out like promising but not strong enough, and then he. He had a game where he was 
not good enough, but at least strong. And then today had a game where he was strong and pretty decent, but just not quite good enough, like got subbed off. Like, you know, he's so he's trending in the right direction. And I think DK would have done the same without the injury. Um, I disagree with you. I think Zardes has had a demonstrably better tournament, if just, you know, per minute. Um, Zardes came in and whichever, the 6-0, the 6-1 game, and his finish was fucking fire in that game. And there are certain things I'm seeing from him that I have never seen from him before. Um, I mentioned the, the, the very, very smooth first touch and dish out. Uh, that we saw in late in this yeah, game. Yeah, the touch has always been um, the worst offense for the the, the, the worst touch, strike against him. Dude, his touch has gotten very good. My so I mentioned that not to say that I would be happy with Zardes being our World Cup qualifying. Oh shooter. God, that is not oh, what God. I'm saying. Oh, God. I, although Ty, I would it's, caution it's your. It's gonna happen. I caution your indignation. Burhalter said, "If the, today yeah. before this game, yeah. if this was a qualifier, it would have been." Zardes. Yeah, so, I want to come back to that and, in just a second. I know okay. it's going to happen. It just makes me want to fall into a hole. Okay, I wonder if maybe this can help. One of the things that we have perhaps underestimated, is how much better a player can get throughout their mid-20s. Part of that has to do with the fact that in the years that we've been doing this show, players did not improve from the ages of 23 to 28. They did not get better. There was a generation of players that we started with, Breck Shea comes to mind, that just... Juan Agadello. Juan Agadello, that just did not get better in those years. Giassi Zardes and Christian Roldan have gotten a lot better, and you have to hand it to them. The best silver lining of all of this take is that DK will likely do the same. So the DK that we see now, whose biggest, uh, you know, injury notwithstanding, right? We just look at those first few games and, and the promise that we saw. The biggest drawback from him is his ability to read and find the game and have a good first touch. That can change. That is likely to change. Um, it is very likely to change. He, he, they, we were reminded in the broadcast today that he has only been a professional for about fourteen or fifteen months. Yeah, because last last season in MLS was his rookie season. Before that, he was in college. And how many fans do you think he's played in front of in his career? He's probably played like very hasn't, few games. Yeah, hasn't played a lot of games in front of big crowds. And yeah. it is going to take time with him. And I, I think you're spot on. That's a fantastic point. There are lots of cases where players do grow substantially. But one thing that we ha we don't see a lot is someone come up, reach a certain level, and then decline and then come back. And so it's this kind of like, you know, unusual pattern where we're very used to seeing players, as you said, make it into the national team at 21, 22, 23, as they break into MLS and they're, they're exciting and promising. And then what happened with Jossie Zardes is basically he, he just sputtered out. Like there was a period of excitement about him. And then he had a lot of terrible performances and a lot of laughable mistakes moments and moments. Yeah. And it was just like enough is enough. The same thing happened with Julian Green. Baby Julian. Baby so, Julian. And it is rare that that can get turned around. So I think it makes sense that the, the fan base is like, oh, God, come on. But 
Greg obviously is giving everybody a fresh shot and is just looking at the resume over his tenure or not even his tenure, but just like the last 12 months who, who can help right now. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, it, you, you can't argue that Zardes should be cast out of the program. I don't think that's fair at all, but it will, <laughs> it tough. will be a, it is still a weird Z if Zardes plays in world cup qualifying. It is a serious indictment on our ability to 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 uh, develop strikers, I think that's fair. To that say. is very fair to say. I th- and I think if Ricardo Pepe, who just scored, who just became the youngest hat trick scorer in MLS history, yeah. uh, goes to Mexico, um, we're going to have an indictment of another kind on our hands. Indeed, I don't uh, think that this will guy happen. could. I think Pepe's. Pepe's hey man, us. we'll so see. I'm, Yunus Musa and Ricardo Pepe. I will believe it when it's done. Believe it when it's done. That's a good point. This would have been a great uh, tournament to cap tie Ricardo Pepe. By the way, that could have been good. There was time for that, probably. Who did we bring that we should have brought Ricardo Pepe instead? Jackson I mean, neither Ewell. of us, Jackson Yule, <laughs> neither of us have brought up Ricardo Pepe, so it is definitely um, hindsight on at least on this tape. But um, a lot of people have been done, been talking about Ricardo. It's Pepe. a little bit, but you know, Jesus Ferreira has a lot of U.S. cap caps. I mean, I guess Pepe's substantially younger, but I, I I feel like what's happened recently is the heat has grown from Mexico. You know. It seems like Mexico is is paying a little bit more attention to him, so so that's that's what gets so anyways, the U.S. Uh, really jelly. And speaking of, I think I think in yeah, but to close out the Zardes thing, we're going to see him in qualifying. It is definitely a disappointment on a number of levels, but at least Zardes is playing what I perceive to be the best version of Zardes ball, and I will take that silver lining. Y- for now. Yes. It is totally true. He's the best version of Giassi Zardes that there has ever been, soccer wise. You know, he's I'm the not best happy soccer player Giassi Zardes has ever been. Has ever been. He's the best Giassi Zardes of all time. <laughs> okay. What, what's your <laughs> other thing? <laughs> he's, the, he's the greatest of the all greatest time. The greatest Giassi Zardes of all time. <laughs> the guy Zote. <laughs> Um, what's up? What's up? What does that bring us to? I just wanted to talk about Mexico. Yeah. So we're going to play probably Mexico. So as of recording, it is 1-1 in the 59th minute between Mexico and Canada. Ka-anada. So we, 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 we shouldn't spend too much time on this, but we've seen Canada. So if it's Canada, uh, we'll, we'll know what to expect, which will be a much more, uh, robust version of that, um, Final group stage match. They'll they'll be they'll be much more up for it. Uh, Mexico brought a really strong team. They struggled early. They drew with Trinidad and Tobago. Found their way into the tournament and have have turned it on in the past couple of games and started to look more like a classic Mexico team. Uh, they have much much stronger personnel than the U.S. They're probably missing. From what you know, who I would put in their first team, uh, 11, maybe three guys or something like that. But other than that, they're where they want to be. And they're going to be playing, if they make the final, they'll be playing in a, a packed house in Vegas, very Mexican American city. So it'll be a big pro Mexico crowd if it's Mexico. And so that would be e- either way is fantastic for the US because. Yeah. If it's Canada, it's a chance to win a trophy, a better chance. 
If it's Mexico, it's a much worse chance to win a trophy. But if it happens, it's incredible. And if it doesn't happen, it's no big deal. It was our C team with these young MLS kids. Oh, man. But if Gianluca Busio beats Hector Herrera to a gold cup, we riot. Oh, my God. <laughs> we riot. And we get two, two finals. Two finals on Mexico in what? Yeah, six exactly. months, four months. Exactly. So, so oh. I, I'm I'm already super happy with this tournament. I'm very very happy that we got to play Qatar. I'm so glad this game was not a narrow win over Costa Rica and it was a narrow win over Qatar, because we have yeah. to get used to playing as many teams out of our confederation as possible. And this is the total. It it is the epitome of like the kind of game you end up with in a World Cup. These these really strong teams with players you haven't heard of who are somehow much better than you think with yeah. a different style with who actually kind of know you and know how to attack you. Uh, and so I, it was, it was great experience for these U S players to, to go up against an opponent like that. And I'm really glad Qatar came to this tournament. Me too. Yeah, it was world cuppy. I loved it. Um, now that we're talking about it, I do hope we get Mexico in the final. Um, I think that's about it for us tonight. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. We're going to a final with the U.S. Uh, this this lovable it's bunch that I love so much. It's a success. I've... I I have almost no. There is almost no chance that we see Jackson Ewell in this game. That is a success in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we've gotten here. We that, might that see. Is a we success. might see Roll Dan yeah. over yeah. Busio. We might see Zardes over. And DK. there was a period right at the beginning of the uh, Berhalter era where he had the Nick Lima. Um, Will Trap and Daniel Lovett's weirdy weirdsies trifecta, yeah. And at the beginning of this tournament, he was still clinging on to Jonathan Lewis and Jackson Ewell. Yep. And it it just it's so frustrating because the guy takes so long to notice obvious things, but he is he is growing. And he, well, I think, the fact that he I played this, got a, this lineup got again a is a good sign to me that he's learning, he's paying attention, he's seeing the game similarly to the way that most of us are seeing the game. I agree. And I believe, I'm beginning to believe that Burhalter's just got a runway, that he sees it, he done been seen it, but he was waiting to see something from Busio in training. And when he saw it, he started, he subbed him in. And then when he saw what he needed to on the field, he started him. I think he's just got a runway. We're down to Sebastian Legette and Paul Ariola as the sort of the guys that we, you know, may bring to, um, could potentially bring to a, a worldwide tournament that no one has ever heard of, which could not choose two better guys uh, to be the, the the sort of domestic U.S. Jersey Shore dudes. Weird, uh, the the um, <laughs> yeah the the random Brazilian guy is is who you're thinking. Who, of, yeah. I forget that guy's name. Yeah, like every every you know national team has that guy that the coach. Yeah, does it's really uh, well, that for, domestically for, is known well. For Spain, it's it's that guy with the crazy last name, or Aretha Biagla. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or Aretha Bial. You're like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> who is that? Um. And and ours are Pauli Ariola Nips and Sebastian Legette. It just doesn't get any better than that. They're great. So hopefully GTL, we, can, we can we can over the course of the next six to six to twelve uh, graduate officially from the Roldan Zardes experience. But for now, <laughs> 
this is where we're at, and let's go Nats, baby. It's a final. It's a final. Good job, boys. All right. Um, I like, I like, I like, uh, I like books, but it's easier when they're shorter. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure you can relate. Uh, I like the, the feeling of completing a book. And uh, sometimes I just, I just need an easy win. Know what I'm saying, Greg? You know what I'm saying, GGG? GGG. GGG. Um, I am beginning to really enjoy produce. I was never, I was never a produce guy. I didn't get it. The emotions that people have when they see delicious produce. I, feel you. I am coming around, son. These tomatoes, these mangoes. Let's do this thing. Why not? Avocados, absolutely. Harder the better. Um, yeah. And I especially love old school photos of Greg Berhalter with hair. But I don't love any of that shit. <laughs> Both fingers in your face. As much as I love the Nats. Let's, let's go, go boys. boys. Take it home. Win the, win the fucking gold cup. Let's win this fucking gold cup, son. It's we the peeps. It's we the peeps. Welcome to We the Peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, it's We the Peeps.